I think we're going to start getting ready to go uh, to hook up with Father uh, Kurt Gunwall, who's on the phone for our Straight Talk segment. And for those of you who are going to be calling in, once again, that number is 877-795-0122. You can also send your uh, questions or comments to us on Facebook, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Father Gunwall, ready to come up right now, Aaron? Okay, Father. I am here. Oh, there he is. Okay, Father, I hope you're on standby. We've, we've tried to contact a number of people before coming on the air today to uh, think of their hard questions. I'm, I'm hearkening back to the days in grade school when the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the associate at the parish would come into the classroom and uh, try to answer questions, and it was, we called it Stump the Priest, so... Uh, Maybe we've got some people out there that are ready to try uh, to test your metal a little bit here. So I, well, I may be stumped, but at least I know a direction to go. Sure. Well, why don't, <laughs> Father, I know a lot of people in the Fargo area are familiar with you, but uh, our listening area is uh, all over the upper Midwest. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you're doing now. All right, well... Father Kurt, Curtis Gunwall, and I've been ordained now 11 years, just finished my first year at St. Anthony's in Morton and St. Peter and Paul in Mantador, which is in southeast North Dakota, and before that I had done eight years working in our vocations office, so working with our young men, discerning priesthood, religious life, and the young ladies uh, discerning that also. Before that, two years at St. Anne and Joachim when it was just being built, and that was an exciting and beautiful time to be a part of that parish. Uh, but I entered the priesthood at age 42, 43, I kind of forget exactly, but anyway, uh, a little bit later, and I had worked for the Diocese of Fargo in youth and young adult ministry for 10 years before that, uh, many years in college and seminary, college seminary, uh, my discernment took a while uh, to really know where God was calling me, but just grateful in every way that I am now here serving in the Diocese of Fargo as a priest of God. Okay, and we're happy to have you on Straight Talk this morning. And for the, for our listeners out there, I want you to understand Father was kind of holding back. He's really a smart guy, so he's ready to take on any of your questions. And if there are any <laughs> students out there who are suffering with uh, homework in uh, summer school for chemistry or physics, uh, feel free to call those questions in as well. I'm sure <clears throat> Father would be more than happy to tackle those too. So My uh, engineering time was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it wasn't until I was in college I thought engineers were guys who drove trains. So you're 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 you're, you're ahead of me on that one. And so, okay, I, I guess we're 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 waiting for calls now. Correct, Aaron? Okay, and we're getting some dead air right now. So uh, we're asking. I, I wanted to. I did want to share one thing from listening to you know the previous your interview your talk there. Um, I in my work in vocations. And even now, continuing, I'm working with continuing education for our priests of our diocese. One of the things, again, that we always need to be reminded of is the need for chaplains within the military. That when we think of the need of priests in our diocese, there is a need in some dioceses very tremendous, in other dioceses a little less, but we all have that need. But the military 
there are not enough chaplains to serve the needs of the people well. As it, when, you know, it was mentioned, the services they might have, they might only get mass, though, maybe maybe once a month or sometimes more or less than that, depending upon where they're serving again. And again, we want to provide for the needs of those who are risking their lives, who are serving our country in so many ways. So I was very appreciative of hearing, again, the those who give their time and their service. It was, It is a beautiful and powerful thing of giving of our lives. As you kind of tied in with priesthood, religious life, there's some simple similarities, but we want to give our lives for a purpose, for a cause, for a reason, like to God, to to others. And so, yeah, that just, I wanted to share that. That yeah. was beautiful to hear. Well, I know. Um, Father, the military service is a diocese unto itself. Is that correct? Yes, and that's fairly recent in the sense of, I don't remember what year initially they were established, but less than 20 years that they have been their own diocese. Uh, they still rely primarily upon other dioceses allowing priests to go and serve for a time in the, in the military. Yeah. So if a young man is ordained for the Diocese of Fargo and he feels a call within a call to be a military chaplain, he then remains part of the Fargo Diocese, but like on leave? Is correct. That, oh, okay. Yes, correct. And we have a number of our priests who have finished uh, a, a full service in the military and are now retired, uh, but yes, who have served in many ways or some still active. Um, you know, I could name a number of names, but it is. It's uh, it, They have to let the bishop know as that thought comes to their mind, as God places that on their heart, and they discuss it through their maybe years of formation or their years of service until Bishop Oldham, you know, will may determine that, okay, this is a good time. Yes, you could enter and go serve in this way. Others serve in the reserves and that way of being still present here. But yes, they're all they're still connected and still part of our presbyterate of the diocese while they are away serving. So we try to give them some, you know, our support in that way too. Yeah. We we have a we have a we have a caller on the line. But I I wanted to mention a a pretty sobering story that the Monsignor Donahue told uh, during his time as a chaplain on active duty, uh, and he was in combat. Was the uh, the idea that the enemy often will target chaplains and chaplains will not always wear the uh, the the outer signs of their uh, of their uh, their position because uh, the idea is if you take away their god you take away you know kind of their uh, uh, their desire or their drive i guess if you will or their safety net and so chaplains were considered you know targets in uh, over in the in the middle east and uh, it's a pretty mm-hmm. sobering thought but we have dick yeah. uh, on the phone and uh, and his question is oh dick uh, okay okay we'll let dick ask the question dick are you on the line I don't know of any Dick on the line. This is Deacon Jim Hunt on the line. Oh. She may have misheard me. Well, I, I, apparently, apparently she did. Uh, yeah, well, D- Jim so- sounds a lot like Dick, so I can understand the confusion. <laughs> Maybe it was the Deacon part. That okay, oh, that's about. it. Deacon yeah. Jim Hunt from Fargo. Good, good to have yeah. you, Deacon. Good to, good to be here. What is your question for uh, Father Gunwall? Put the, him on the spot. The question. Yeah, the question I have for him is, I've got a follow-up question, too, but I'll 
ask them one at a time, is uh, who in in your life, Father Gunwald, was the greatest inspiration to you in, in deepening and clinging to your Catholic faith and and also in, in uh, fostering and encouraging your vocation to the priesthood? Well, the answer also has two parts. Uh, as I've various places shared uh, my vocation story or bits of it, my parents definitely inspired me in my Catholic faith. Their own renewal of faith and growth uh, over my grade school, high school years, that was, that was part of it, was that inspiration that way. But I still had my struggles in high school of uh, not falling away, but definitely drifting away from a... I continued to practice the basics of the faith, going to Mass each Sunday, but it was weaker in college, especially surrounded by the presence of, you know, so many influences in the college atmosphere. And then many good friends who were, you know, Christians, and again, made me, led me to question, and then later to dig into discovering, rediscovering my Catholic faith, that I learned as a child, but needed to relearn as an adult. Then I would say in terms of towards the priesthood itself, it was many small steps along the way, which could be why it took me a little longer, but, you know, God did not hit me with a two-by-four until I was 38. Uh, then it was, oh, I'm supposed to be a priest, and I knew it for certain, and I knew it for sure, but along the way, a friend invited me simply to come to seminary and discern there uh, a number of priests and staff and faculty along those ways and also inviting me others, friends and whatever, friends and others who... It was a long journey with many steps, many people. So I can't point to any one person, but one thing I will share is Bishop James Sullivan, who then, when I finished college seminary and did not continue into theology, I did not hear the call from God at that time. I was investigating, but I wasn't hearing it clearly. He hired me for the Diocese of Fargo to run the Youth and Young Adult Ministry Office, which is what I'd been wanting to do for many, many years. And I was later told, and I, I believe it, he just wanted to keep me close because he saw my vocation, even if I didn't see it at that moment. So even though it wasn't a very active part, it kept me close, kept me involved, living the life, sharing my faith with others, and it did allow God to could bring me the further steps to my priesthood. So that would be the two parts to that answer. Okay, Great, but, Father. Thank you for that. Deacon, uh, Deacon before, you, before you go, to in, go into your second question, I just want to remind our listeners the number to call in is one Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, and uh, call in your questions, whatever they may be. Okay, sorry to interrupt you, Deacon. Go ahead. That's all right. The second question is, you know, you did say that Father would take scientific questions as well, and so it's a bit <laughs> tongue in cheek. But I just wondered what the name of the chemical is that causes apples to turn brown when you cut into them, and, and potatoes as well. You've stumped me. I've I just heard it, but I might know that. Oh, I know that. That's brontium. <laughs> no, it's polyphenol oxidase. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the technical okay. name. That, that's the technical yes. name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, thank you, Deacon. All right. Okay, do we have any other? Do we have any other deacons out there who have questions for Father? We want to put them on the spot today. Or anyone? Yeah, or anyone? Yeah, we're not just. We want anybody who's listening. A few of our parishioners that I was going to be on, but a few who were at morning mass this morning. So they said they were going to listen, and uh, don't know if they have any questions that they want to call. But anyone else too? I've met people throughout not only our diocese, but throughout a broader area of the listening area as I've done my travels and vocation work. I did have a couple other things, though, that had popped into my mind as I was just prepared for today. And one of them is about growing in our faith. As I say, my own journey had its fallback. It's kind of drifting away. And then coming back to, to the Lord, where God is the most important person in my life, he is the one I love more than my family. I love my family with all my heart, but I love my God with all of my heart and more. Um, but that journey of faith, for so many people, again, that might be sitting there, the questions they have need to be asked. I mean, so if somebody's listening and, and has a question, or any of these days when we have this, this time on Real Presence Radio, is no question is foolish. The simplest question, if it helps us take a step closer to God through our Catholic faith, is important, because I was filled with many of those questions as I returned even. It took me months to realize, okay, I'm Catholic, even though I still don't understand it all fully, and some of it I still disagreed with in a light way, but I trusted that the Church had a reason, an answer, an explanation for everything, and so I put my trust in and said, okay, I'm going to continue to dig in and seek to grow in this way. But every question along the way helped strengthen me and prepare me for where I'm at today. I mean, the studying in seminary was part of it, but the prayer, the Bible studies I was part of throughout many years, many friends asking questions, it's, I don't always have an answer, uh, but again, I, I know where to look. I know who to go to. I know to go to God and his guidance in many ways to find those answers. So growing in our Catholic faith, deepening, that is a lifetime journey. It sure is. Thank you for saying that, Father. Um, And I just want to encourage people that are out there that have questions, but they're shy about having their voice heard on the radio. You can call in to 877-795-0122, and we have people that will just write your question, and we can read it for you. You don't have to be on the line. We do love hearing the voices of our listeners, but you, um, if you're kind of shy but you do have questions, please um, call in with those questions. And if you have the question, so do lots of other people. And um, to ask it is kind of a gift to those who have the same question. Yeah. And we, since we and have a fo- Facebook for some others. Yeah. Yes, Facebook is another way that you can yeah. write in your questions. Yes. Thank and you. I, and I'm going to mention also that uh, with Father on one line, uh, we have only one line. So if you get a busy signal, uh, just try again in a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds, and and, and you'll get through. So uh, you know, don't uh, don't give up if you just hit a busy signal. It's 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 a matter of just the we have one line available, and uh, uh, you'll get through. So and that number again is eight seven seven. Seven nine five zero one two two, and so Father is anxious to take your take your questions, and uh, we're anxious for you to call in or uh, send us a Facebook, and uh, we've got ten minutes for calls yet, so there's still plenty of time, 
Again, 7977-795-0122. And we know that Father Gunwell has put a lot of time into preparing for this program, so don't disappoint him. Well, <laughs> I wanted to share one more piece, uh, again, of, of both that journey and the questions. As I mentioned, my own return into faith did involve, too, a number of years where I was not taking part in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I didn't think that I committed any serious sins, which I know you can have people on both ends of either being over-scrupulous uh, scrupulous about things, or I think the majority of people, though, like myself at that time, thinking, but I don't really sin anything seriously, no reason to go to confession. And when I realized uh, that I'm not the judge of how serious something is, just because I don't think I've hurt anybody that badly or intentionally or or that it's not that big of a deal. The Church actually helps guide us as to what is mortal sins, you know, what is serious matter, and it is a priest or others who can help us make a good confession, who can help us discern how much was I responsible for what happened, you know, not just to assume I wasn't, or not to put too much burden on myself and say, you know, oh, I'm the cause of all the faults and problems in my family and other stuff, but to have the help of a spiritual, a spiritual, you know, guide to help in that discernment. So for others, again, who may not be participating in that gift of a sacrament of healing, of strength, of mercy, of forgiveness, that is an important part of the journey, too, because it was then, as I returned to that sacrament, that, again, I was willing to truly commit my heart to God in the Church, in His Church, and find the answers, to find the peace that is there, not from running away, not from ignoring, but addressing, I'm a sinner, striving to be a saint, and that's what each of us is called to do, to be. I mean, today the reading with St. Matthew's call, was another piece of that, that we are all that sinner. We are all the sinner that Jesus came to die for and to call. We have a righteousness in Christ, in Jesus, but not our own. And so we all need that gift of mercy, of forgiveness, that comes in the sacrament. And it is a great gift that Catholics have that other Christians don't even recognize. And it's a command in the, in the scriptures over and over. Confess your sins to one another, Jesus giving the authority to forgive sins to the apostles and to those that, you know, they pass it on to. And we all have to forgive those who sinned against us. That, but this sacrament is such a gift. Such a beautiful reminder, Father. It is truly a gift. And then the end of the gift is also in re- hearing the words, I absolve you of your sins and knowing for sure. We have a caller on the line. Father, it's okay. Beth from Pierce, South Dakota. Go ahead, Beth. All right, Beth. Oh, hi. Thank uh, you for taking my call. Um, I guess my question is, what are your thoughts and views of purgatory? <clears throat> I kind of struggle with believing in it, and is it something that, I mean, I just, I have questions on it, I guess. I prayed okay. and prayed and prayed about it, um, and so I guess, can I be a good Catholic without believing in purgatory? Well, yes. Let me answer two parts. You can be, all of us can be a good Catholic, even when we have our questions and doubts. 
That does not, again, it's if we obstinately say the Church is wrong, and I'm smarter than all the saints and all, the, you know, everything the Church teaches, if we are in kind of an obstinate, I refuse to believe this, then we're, you know, then we're in a bad place, then we're struggling. But having your questions, that was, Purgatory was one of the ones that I, I mean, again, I had many struggles, and some of them took years before I ever really realized it or addressed it. But the neat thing is about Purgatory is that it's now one of the, I talk about the four last things, talking to RCA, those who are looking at the Catholic faith. I talk with, I used to talk with young people. And purgatory fitting into, you know, death and judgment, heaven and hell. And it is one of the things, actually, that I had this conversation years ago with a young man and his parents who brought him down. He didn't want to be confirmed Catholic. This is when it was still high school in our diocese. And he had been going to a, another church youth group. And the, the pastor there had filled with a lot of, well, the church, Catholic Church is wrong on this, 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 and this, and this, and, you know, pulled out a few scriptures and showed how that's not what it means. And I simply asked him, I said, okay, if I can show you one area where you haven't heard the whole explanation, are you willing to at least continue to dig in and to, again, search for the, the full answers that the church offers? And he said, sure. I said, okay, so what's one of the areas? you struggle with, okay, in purgatory. I don't remember if he mentioned it directly or if it was just life after death or what some part of that. But we talked about purgatory, and my the answer I'd like to give is longer than I can do, and I do little drawings on such on the board, but so I can't do all that on the radio. But I will say that if you look at creation and history, in the beginning, there was God, and that was it. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this unity of God... Then he creates the angels. Then he, the, you know, he creates the universe, the physical world, and then he creates us. And in that time, you know, the angels, some of them rebel and fall. And so I talk about these different things. So in the beginning, there was only God. Then there was heaven and hell, where the angels were and those who rebelled. Then there was the physical world. Then you have Jesus talking about the bosom of Abraham and that place where the people were waiting for Jesus to open heaven and bring the righteous back to heaven. Well, then Jesus did that. But all of this shows that the idea of purgatory, the teaching of purgatory, it, there's nothing that says it couldn't be. God already had a place that wasn't heaven, wasn't hell. It was a place of waiting. It was a place, and we'd say, of purification, of that, that waiting for the fullness of, the, of heaven. So that's one part of it. The other part of, uh, of an explanation is that purgatory, that word, it comes from a Latin word, it's actually in the scripture in Paul's letters. If you look up that idea, it says that when, at the end of our life, after we die, our work, our life, will be tried as through fire. And in English, that is the word purgatory. So our, our, again, our, our belief is something that St. Paul teaches very directly. And I gave a presentation at an ecumenical youth conference many, many years ago, before I was, but as I'd been growing in my faith, and I described what we believe about purgatory, and there was a Baptist minister, Assembly of God minister, a Lutheran pastor, um, and then all these kids there. And after I explained it, using a few of these pieces, even the two pastors said, well, we agree with that. Again, if purgatory can be explained in, in the full way and, and in the way that makes it clear, then 
other Christians even say, well, no, that is, yeah, that's part of our faith. So it's maybe how you've heard it. Uh, so I'm going to stop there. I know we're running short, but do you have anything further? Does that help at least give you a direction or a starting place uh, to, to deepen? It, it does. And can you um, tell me where at you, I could read about that some more? Um, did you give me, did you say some well, scripture Well, com is, they've got a whole section again on purgatory, the writings of the early church again, too, how the early Christians, you know, this is very clearly understood. Um, Catholic.com has, you just put in purgatory and you'll find so many resources. I have a number of other books that I have also, again, referenced in my own life over these years of digging in. One that I really like, it's a little deeper, is Unabridged Christianity. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, the scriptures, you can go back to uh, the books of Maccabees. You can look for in Catholic.com all the scripture references to purgatory, even some of Jesus' parable, again, of talks refers to it. So there's, oh, there are so many resources, but if you start Catholic.com, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Father, I'm going to cut in here because we have one question from a listener that we'd like to get to in the little bit, little bit of time we have right. here, and it's not a short yeah, answer either. <laughs> it's not a short answer. It's uh, a question from Ann, and I'm sorry, Beth, to kind of cut you short there okay, a little thank bit. You. Thank, thank you. For thank calling. you for calling. And uh, Thank you. The, the question from Anne is, what is the best way to respond to the question, how do you prove God exists? <laughs> and you've got about a minute and a half. <laughs> well, then I'm not going to be able to, of course, answer, but I would say there are the proofs for God from Thomas Aquinas, and you go older, you go back to the ancient times. One of the things, though, that I think in our modern world, I talk about the characteristics of God, we talk about the transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty. To me, I think that speaks to a lot of people, that we find God, we see God, and that this is, these transcendentals come even pre-Christian, that some of the pagans saw this is the character of God, this shows God, this reveals God. So I think in our modern world, actually truth, goodness, and beauty, you're going to meet some people who truth is the primary thing they're looking for, others, it's goodness, yeah. and a few, it's beauty. But all three of them are important and essential for us to see God and to recognize God. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas and the others, they're proofs of God, these ones, they, they, he didn't invent them, but he consolidated them well. They help us, again, in a very practical way of, well, something had to exist. Either you believe, uh, you know, even the Big Bang is a Catholic priest explanation of the creation of the universe, and it doesn't contradict God created. Boom, Big Bang, everything's in existence. And even science says that before that, our laws of physics, our laws of science made no sense. The universe didn't exist in the universe way that it is. So Father Robert Spitzer, again, has many of the scientific explanations and logical ones. He's on EWTN Radio and, and others. So that's the short answer. Okay, thank you, Father. And I, I hope that, Anne, I hope that answers your question. And uh, he mentioned Thomas's proofs, and if you were to just Google uh, the proofs of God's existence, St. Thomas Aquinas, you'd probably get any number of hits. And so, okay, thank you. It's time to go, Father. Thank you very much. All right, good to be with you. Thanks, Father.